Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. By her own admission, Kath Belitho is one tough cookie. Kath has endured the highs and the lowest of lows of business ownership. With a love for hospitality and supporting the local Bendigo tourism industry, Kath launched her second business, the aptly named Tough Cookie Marketing. Kath shares with us her story and how she is supporting her clients and community through COVID-19, along with her tips for Google Business and Apple Maps. Meet my friend Kath from Tough Cookie Marketing. Welcome, Kath, and thank you for being today's guest. Uh, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Now, to get us started, I do have a random little fact that I want to share with you. Now, one of your clients is Jules for Gym, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Well, when I made the decision to switch from journalism to beauty therapy, uh, it was actually Jill, the owner of Jules for Gym, who gave me the opportunity to work in her salon. So a couple of days a week, I'd finish up at the Bendigo Addy, and then I'd do sort of the evening shift at Jules for Gym on reception, as well as a Saturday. And then as I completed my waxing courses, um, yeah, I was able to do a couple of treatments in there. So I eventually moved to Melbourne to complete my diploma and work in a day spa, but it was actually Jill who uh, opened the door for me. You know, um, I must confess that I did actually know that you worked there for a, um, a short period of time, but I didn't know in what capacity. So that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And look, you know, isn't it funny how um, we change all our directions so many times as we kind of as the years go on? Yeah, it is, and it's it's just to look back and think, wow, someone gave me that opportunity. Like I obviously had no experience in, um, in reception or hair or beauty. I obviously loved it. Um, but yeah, I was just so grateful for, for, I suppose, opening the door and then where that led me. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And look, I don't know about you, but I still go to Jules for gym to get my hair done. I absolutely love the service in there. Yes. Um, do you know, it's funny because I think providing opportunity to people who need it is something that Jill does relentlessly. Um, that's one of the things I actually really love about her is that she will see opportunity for people regardless of their, their background or their skills. And just, you know, if you are the right person or she just wants to give you a go, she will. Um, also, I must confess, with all this uh, shutdown and stay at home stuff at the moment, one of the questions that I have been asked more than any other is how are you coping without the hairdresser, without your hairdresser, Jules, for gym? <laughs> because your hair looks amazing, that's why. <laughs> well, I actually have an, an exceptional, exceptionally large amount of um, hair extensions. So I don't care for my own hair very often. I really, you know, I'm intent on paying people to do that for me, but I am managing now. You know, it's clean and it's dry, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. But how amazing does good hair make you feel? Like I've always said that it is certainly um, almost part of your uniform. So if I do a photo shoot, it'll be my hair that I would pay to get done professionally. Um, and I just feel so much more confident knowing that my hair looks good. I completely agree. I completely agree. It's, um, I'm exactly the same. And I remember Jill saying to me, if your hair's done properly, you know, you'll wear less makeup and you don't worry about your outfit so much because, you know, if you've got your hair right, then you just looked finished. 
you always look finished. Yes. Now, I know um, in terms of COVID-19, you know, Jules for Gym were really did lead the way in terms of uh, shutting early, didn't they? Um, what they did, it, it's uh, interesting, and I suppose um, what people may not realise, and I'm hoping Jill doesn't mind me speaking out of school a little here, is that prior to the government direction around beauty therapists and hairdressing, Jill was already quite concerned about keeping people safe. So the conversations around what to do and whether to close were not prompted by the actual government direction. They were already happening because she just felt purely that everyone needs to stay at home to be safe, for her staff to be safe and for her clients to be safe. And I think um, when you have a a business like Jill to Gym and also to the other uh, businesses she has, such as Neon Peach, Wax Flash Tam and the eight Royal Gym barbers around Bendigo, um, that, that's a lot of staff and that's a lot of decision-making to have to weigh up and then decide, you know, what's the best thing to do. So I actually really, I really admire the decision that she made. It was tough, but I think she made the right one and set the example potentially for a lot of other smaller businesses in the same industry to say, you know, it's actually okay for me to put health first. It's okay for me to make this decision and I haven't failed. I haven't been pressured into doing it. If I don't feel right and I don't think it's the right thing to do to keep trading, it's okay for me to close. Exactly. Just amazing leadership by Jill. Um, I think Jill is someone that we need on the podcast. I'll um, have to track her down, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, you are the director of marketing and events company Tough Cookie Marketing, which is based in Bendigo. Uh, would you like to take me a little bit of the uh, background, if you may? Okay, so my, um, my background is actually hospitality. I spent about 25 years working in everything from uh, restaurants, to catering, um, worked in, uh, had some nightclub and bar experience, um, accommodation, a little bit of gaming, so the whole suite of, you know, different aspects of hospitality, but primarily the majority of my working life um, prior to opening a marketing agency was around restaurants and fine dining. Amazing. And I love the name Tough Cookie. Uh, Where did that come from? Well, that actually came about because a whole lot of really, really crap things happened. And um, I had a bit of a discussion with my sister one day and said, oh, I'm thinking about um, having the name Tough Cookie for my business. And she said, I think it's perfect because there had just been, for the the five years prior, there had just been so many things that had happened all at once, which were really quite challenging. And I'm still getting up every morning and still going forward, perhaps not feeling great every day, but at the same time, you know, it was time to keep moving. But the my the restaurant that I had owned at the time um, in Bendigo closed due to the GSC back in 2008. So um, I became bankrupt. My, my car was repossessed. Um, I felt, you know, a terrible amount of shame that I'd failed. Um, I then got another job for survival and um, worked there for a number of years and that um, ended up with um, some really kind of nasty level of management that um, I became quite stressed about. And after that, went on to another job, which really, while I quite enjoyed the employment, it was really high-level stress that ended up um, with a restructure. I became redundant. And um, through that, I had my boys. So my boys at the time were uh, was two under two. They're 12 months apart and still working full-time and getting up every morning to look after them. And my husband was driving to Melbourne. He took a job in Melbourne that he really needed to take um, just to have some security. 
So it was just kind of a really intense time. And I need to be honest to say, I didn't have a lot of memories of it. I, th- I think perhaps lack of sleep might have made it, um, you know, a little, I guess, I guess a little sketchy in some areas. And quite often my sisters will remind me and say, do you remember when, we did, when you did this? And I was like, oh, no, actually, no, I don't remember that. So, yeah, I guess Tough Cookie was really a case of, do you know what, I made it. I got through that and it was time to restart and to go back to working for myself again. And um, the name just kind of seemed to fit. And even now, though, it's, I think it's still pretty accurate. I One of the things that I like about myself is that, you know, there's a lot of things that can get thrown at you and I'll still keep getting up in the morning. And my team are exactly the same. We just keep soldiering on. Oh my gosh, you are certainly a tough cookie. Um, I actually thank you for sharing that. Did you get support or how did you like come through that period? Oh, look, I had a, a very supportive partner and family, so that was a, a really good start. Um, my business partner at the time too was great, although both of us had our own families to kind of look out for and care for. So while we didn't, um, you know, there wasn't conflict or fighting, we were certainly, you know, two different people with your, your own survival that you need to maintain too, so that can be challenging. Um, it's really funny because sometimes something will happen in life and you, you think you're doing it on your own or you think there's no one to talk to or you have to go to, you know, perhaps a, a helpline or an agency or something more formalised to actually seek help. Quite often if you start to talk about it, you'll find whoever you're talking about probably has a similar experience and they've just been too frightened to speak about it as well. So every now and then I would kind of allude that things weren't so good at that time and, you know, somebody else would pop up and say, oh, my God, I'm actually going through that too. I can't believe that you are as well. I thought that I was the only one. And I found, you know, some really good friendships and some really good contacts with people that um, had also, were also experiencing really tough times in business and didn't think that they could talk about it either and also thought that they were failing and that they were um, embarrassed and they didn't want to talk about it. And I think that it's a really, really big issue that we feel that our you know, our worth is based on how successful our businesses are because I can tell you right now, nobody sets out to fail in a business. We all know that. You don't set up a business going, you know what, I'm just going to have a laugh about it and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We all have goals and dreams and things that we actually want to achieve. And when it doesn't work, it's like a part of your personality or a part of who you are that actually is being um, um, hurt or damaged. And also, too, you then start to grieve for it. I went through a huge grieving process after the, the restaurant actually closed where I didn't really want to see anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody because I just needed to go through essentially, I guess, what was a death of part of my actual um, self-personality or my own self-worth. Mm, my gosh. Um, what I see the danger being is Instagram and the highlight reel that we show of that. And I, I feel that there's some pressure in there that, you know, you have to show your best version. You have to be reinventing yourself all the time, pivoting, um, launching something new, and it can be a dangerous cycle to get into. And then suddenly you can't share these um, situations for fear of, yeah, looking like you are the failure and you're not winning in your business. That's right. And look, I think um, too, there's been so much, you know, increased attention on personal brands in the last few years. Now, I am, I, I love everything around brands, and I, I think a personal brand is something really, really important to know who you are and what you stand for. 
but there also seems to be pressure that your personal brand has to be bright and shiny and successful and amazing and look perfect and do everything well. And that's actually not reality. And it doesn't also endear you to people to want to do business with you. You know, a great brand is about being authentic. And I know that's, I actually don't like buzzwords like authentic and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's actually about being you and that people know when they speak to you that it's not a show and that they'll actually get real information and someone that has, you know, perhaps a level of, of empathy or genuinely actually wants to interact with them and is interested in their story. Otherwise, like, we just don't want to be around fake people in real life, so why do we want to be around fake people online? Yeah, exactly. And when you say authentic, I it is, it's a buzzword, but I think people have lost what that actually means. I, I think there's, it's really important to be aware that, you know, you can be yourself, but you also need to be aware of who you're talking to. So it's great to be, you know, warts and all and, you know, be yourself. But if you're going to say or do things that are realistically going to alienate other people, you need to measure whether it's worth the risk. And I don't feel that we need to lie about who we are, but I think we need to be smart about it. And you can still be yourself and be honest and transparent and, um, you know, talk about real issues and talk about what's, you know, getting you down. But you also need to do it in a context where you do seem like someone that people actually want to interact with as well and maybe then say, yep, do you know what, thank you because I've been feeling the same way and I genuinely am listening to your story. Do you mentor people, Kath? My gosh. <laughs> do I? I uh, yeah, do. <laughs> <laughs> Off the record, everybody. Anyone that wants to ring, you're in. Um, but, you know, that's actually part of who what we do at Tough Cookie as well. Um, we genuinely want to stay connected with our clients and I, I really want to know how people are. So, like, I'm sitting here, I've got a list of a heap of clients I'm going to ring today because I need to check in. I just need to say, are you all right? And I think that knowing one more person gives a damn about you that doesn't have to necessarily is a really nice feeling. It is. And that's a really good way to do business as well, Kath, in terms of looking after the clients that you have rather than always chasing for that new one, do you think? Absolutely. One of the nicest things about my business is we don't lose a lot of clients. I don't have a lot of clients that stop working with me unless they, for example, a project come to an end and it's logically run, of course. But my running joke has always been is that they don't know how to break up with me. <laughs> like they, don't, they actually don't know how to get out. You're in and you're never leaving because I'm ringing you and I'm chasing you. And, you know, we are into this together. Oh, that's beautiful. They would definitely appreciate to have you looking after their business, most certainly. Uh, now, of course, there does seem to have been some challenges getting to where you are today in terms of launching Tough Cookie Marketing. Um, have there been some highlights, though? What have you enjoyed so far? Look, it's funny because it's actually been, um, I think it's been eight years now and that's just flown. But it's really important to remember that where we are now is definitely, like it's so far from where we started from and it's so far from where we were two years ago and four years ago. So while it feels like I've only been doing this for three years, it's actually been, you know, a good eight years of development and growth and trying to manage things. So I think continuous growth has always been something I've been very proud of. The last couple of years have been a little bit more challenging as we get our head around what we can and cannot do well. Um, I've always been one to say, you know what, if I can do it, I'll give it a go and we'll work it out together. Um, but sometimes, you know, in business you work out that 
something that people are asking you for is not really what you should be giving them and it's okay to say no. So I think one of the highlights has been really being able to understand exactly who we are and what we do well and being brave enough to go, I'm just going to stick to the things that we enjoy, that we deliver really well and that we know that add value and it's okay for somebody else to do the rest. You're right. It it takes a lot to say no to a client, especially when you're starting out because you think, wow, I'm I'm letting go of some income there. But at the same time, to take a project on that is not your forte can actually take up more time, cost you more uh, in terms of the business and the profit's not there. And, and sometimes that relationship at the end isn't, you know, what you're known for either. Oh, absolutely. And look, we did, I decided really early that um, I just wanted to do um, – I just wanted to do service-based marketing. So, you know, whether it's um, hospitality, you know, hairdressers, beauty, um, medical, um, delivering services to the community. So anything that's service and not a physical, tangible product is what we do. So I don't do product. People will, you know, ring and say, can you help me launch this particular product? And I'll just say, no, I'm just not the best person. But here's for other agencies around town. Go and talk to them. They can really help you because I don't like product. I don't want to do it and I don't get passionate about it. So therefore, I I guess I'm not on my best game to be able to deliver what I want to deliver for people too. Yeah, exactly. And when you're in a content creation uh, industry like we are, you do actually have to be passionate about um, about projects as well so that you bring your, your best ideas and you enjoy doing it. And it doesn't feel like work. I mean, we we work for ourselves to enjoy it um, and because we're passionate not to just turn up and do a, a nine-to-five job on it. Uh, exactly. And I tend to find that anything that has um, – there's a couple of things. Anything that has uh, some kind of emotional attachment to it that I'm, I'm good for, like I love it. If you want to create or invoke some kind of emotion, that's the kind of work I like. But, you know, we do have other services that we provide that um, I've built around um, – giving my team challenges too. So we do like a lot of digital work, a lot of Google ads, a lot of Facebook ads, um, you know, a lot of e-commerce and website building and those kind of things too. But they're not necessarily my forte, but I've got staff who love it so much that it's almost like that's their thing and they're really passionate about it. I've given them something that they can be passionate about and really drive for me. Um, I don't need to do it, but also too, they don't have to love everything I love either. In terms of your team, how do you hire? How do you pick what positions uh, need to be created within your business? Well, it's been um, an interesting growth, actually. So I've always really hired to fill the gap of what I think we could do next and do better. So when I and I started out um, on my own, I was you know, doing all the work um, solely. And I'm going to be honest, I had a much more in-depth knowledge of a whole lot of things now that I haven't necessarily kept up to date with because I've hired people to help do that. Um, But when I could see that there were certain areas I was getting more inquiries for, I thought, well, I need somebody to to help with that. So I um, went to a local recruitment agency, which was ESC Consulting in Bendigo, and said, I need to find somebody, but I don't have the capacity at the moment to put together their payroll and all these different things. Can you help me? Could you do that? So they did that and they actually found Nadine for me. And we laughed because she worked with me for, you know, um, probably about six months, I think. And I thought, you know what, I'm getting busier. I want to take her off, um, you know, the consultant's books and I actually need to employ her internally now. So then I lay by her, basically, if you know how um, employment agencies work. Yes. 
Yeah, so we laughed for it. So for a long time she was on labour. I had eventually got her. Um, but she's been with me ever since. And um, But then from that, you know, we worked out that we were getting more and more inquiry around web development and we could do a lot of it, but we had other jobs to do. So then I, uh, we started looking for someone that would fit the team that was uh, web-based. And I've always done my best to hire locally, particularly when it comes to web. I don't outsource, don't do it overseas. And I don't, look, you know what, if other people want to, that's up to them. But for me, it's more about hiring somebody who contributes locally and actually creating better skill sets on a local level. But also, too, you're paying someone super. You know, you're actually setting up a better life for all of us by contributing to, you know, the way that our economy works. So we then found a, um, a lovely young guy who was um, a web developer or had a really good knowledge of uh, WordPress and, and web-based things that we needed. He also was really um, excited and an aspiring uh, video and film um, student. So then we started working on, oh, look at that, we could actually do video for people and start doing photography and production. Um, then that became something we built up the services on and when he left, I then replaced him with you know a, another web developer and somebody else that was excited about video. Um, so it's kind of got bigger as we've needed things. Um, we then needed more and more questions about graphic design. So I was outsourcing for a long time, but it got to a point again, I it's just going to be easier if I have someone internally. So um, hired a graphic designer part-time and then built her hours up and now she's full-time and constantly has enough work. So each one of our positions, and even up to current times now, um, I have a lovely girl called Rosie that works for me and she is learning lots and lots about, you know, Google Ads and Facebook and digital marketing, but she's her actual first passion is PR. So I've given her as much PR work as I can because that keeps her excited and that then grows that part of our business as well. Yeah, and it's really important, as you mentioned, to give them something that they love as well and um, to feel that they have a project that they control over. And, um, yeah, PR is great. It's something that uh, is of great benefit to so many businesses. So to know that you have someone within there that can do that for them is amazing. Yeah, and, and also, too, like it's a, it's a win-win, isn't it? So she's doing something she really enjoys and she went to uni for and she's using those skills that, you know, make her excited to come to work each day, plus learning some new ones. And I then have the opportunity to, you know, develop better services and opportunity for our clients too. So let's talk COVID-19. Can you give us some insight into how your clients have been impacted? Yes, I, I feel like maybe the last two weeks or the last 14 days of March, it was very, very sudden, I suppose, switch between days. One day it's, okay, what are we going to do next? We need to keep up to different updates. The next day it's like you really need to be looking at what you're going to do to, you know, reduce your hours. What are your um, health and safety statements you're putting out for everybody? Do I have to put a safety, health and safety statement out? Yes, you do, but people are expecting it now. Uh, obviously, all of our hospitality clients have closed. Um, we have a couple that are still doing some takeaway um, and a little bit of home delivery. So that's great that they can keep trading, you know, whether it's in a minim- minimalistic model. The work we did for them was more around making sure that they had the online facilities they needed to deliver what they, they wanted to do. So whether it was building, you know, quick web stores or takeaway things online, you know, ordering systems and stuff. So, um that was really, really busy. We also have um, two large not-for-profit clients, which is Haven Home Safe and um, Amicus Disability Services. So we act as the marketing support team for them. And, of course, their needs were 
hugely different. You know, you've got some really, um, you know, complex and, you know, really sad scenarios for their clients. And also, too, how do they how do they manage what they need to do to keep servicing the public that may not fit in the mould of, you know, everybody else that's just simply working from home. So there was lots that we had to do. Um, it was incredibly stressful. Um, personally, on a personal level, we uh, lost through cancellation about thirty thousand dollars in events for the next few weeks. So next few months. So you know, if you're thinking. Externally, going, I need to look after everybody, but internally, going, gee, I hope I can keep operating here. So it was a bit of a roller coaster, but um, I think generally, we, you know, you come to a point where you need to switch roles, where we're not just working for people, we are now driving them, we're looking after them, and you know, helping to provide people with the information they need to make decisions in their businesses that will suit them. I don't tell people what to do. I just make sure they've got the information to make, you know, logical decisions that will suit their own individual needs. Wow, that is such good support though. I'm sure they all appreciate it, most certainly. And um, have you seen any businesses pivot really well? Is there one that stands out for you? I think there's been um, perhaps rather than pivot more adaption. One business that comes to mind is Granted Power IV. Uh, they lost an incredible amount of work with the cancellation of some of the events, um, but they have now set up a recording studio. So rather than not necessarily pivoting, but evolving what they do and using other parts of their skills or other parts of their business to help people, I've seen a fair bit of that, which is interesting. Um, I think that there's been a few people that have done um, the whole hospitality you know, change of services quite well because it's not easy and it's not the saviour. You know, you, you can't just, not every business can suddenly just start selling takeaway home delivery when you've never done it before. There's a lot of logistics, there's a lot of setup, there's lots of investment in simply getting packaging and things right. But, um, you know, a tiny cafe like El Gordo has done a really great job of remodelling who they are, how they work. Um, I think uh, Ms. Batterhams, um, which, you know, had only just opened in February, and as they're now, you know, having all this different, um, you know, I guess different uh, world scenario to try and um, contend with, you know, their Winnie on Wheels stuff is really good where, you know, they've got some home delivery family meals. So, you know, there are a few that have just evolved as opposed to change exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, it's not a nice question to ask, but do you think they'll all come back after this? Do you think some won't reopen? Um, my gut feeling, I hate to say it, is I don't think everybody will come back. And I, I'm not saying who or when. I, I don't know that. I have no clue. But uh, one of the things about the hospitality industry, you know, and knowing this on a personal level, is that a lot of businesses run really close to the line on a regular basis. So they just don't have, you know, thousands of dollars in their bank account to support themselves through a long period of time. They just don't have that. They don't have that capacity. Um, you know, even looking at things like the job keeper. Um, program that you know the government's launched, which is amazing for so many people, and I'm so pleased that we have something like that. Is not necessarily going to help a lot of hospitality venues. They just won't have um, the cash flow or the money there to pay their staff the um, allowance before they're reimbursed. They just don't, and um, it is going to be a sad thing where that not everybody will. Not everybody will come back, or they won't come back in the same manner as they were before at the very least. I just hope that they 
they don't think they've failed. Like it, it literally was out of their control. So absolutely, and that's and that's the really big thing to remember is that you you did the very very best you could, and sometimes sometimes crap things happen to good people. That's just the way of the world. You know, you can't do anything about it. You don't have any control about it. Sometimes it just doesn't go your way and that doesn't mean that you're, you know, any less of a person or that you were not good at what you did. It's just the way life is sometimes. And I think that's a really, really hard lesson at times to have to, you know, um, absorb because often there's, you know, there's financial things attached to it. There's, you know, there's livelihoods, there's reputation, there's all these different things. But no, they haven't done anything wrong and they couldn't have foreseen it. They couldn't. Now, you and I both were presenters at a government digital marketing program launch uh, last year, it was. Now, my presentation was on Instagram and you spoke to Google Business. And I know that people were furiously writing down notes in the audience. Can you tell us a bit about Google Business and why it's important uh, for us to be on there? You have heard me talk a little bit about um, Google My Business before and saying it's the easiest free tool that people should get. If you haven't claimed your Google My Business account, then that's the homework. Go online, claim it today, um, update it, put some new images on it. You know, particularly if you're a bricks and mortar business, if you're at a location, this is what you need to do to help um, increase your your Google ranking. You must have that account up to date, and you must update it regularly. It's a bit like when you put photos on Instagram or Facebook, put a couple on your your Google um, profile as well to the Google My Business. Um, Interestingly, though, what people often forget is that they might have their Google account up to date and they've got their location right and their phone number and everything, so their Google Maps representation is good, but often we forget to look at Apple Maps. And the one reason that Apple Maps um, is really important is because that's where Siri pulls her information from when you talk to her. So unless you specifically ask Siri to find a location or do something through a different um, software like Google, when you say, Siri, find me a coffee or Siri, take me to the closest hairdresser, Siri is pulling it from Apple Maps. So if your Apple Maps profile isn't correct, then you're not going to be found. And interestingly, quite often people's Apple Maps um, profile isn't up to date or isn't exactly accurate. Oh, my gosh. See, I don't talk to Siri enough. Me and Siri need to get um, a little bit closer, I think. <laughs> uh, Siri and I talk a lot. <laughs> there you go. So Apple Maps. How do you get onto your Apple Maps then? Just Google Apple Maps and um, it'll just come up and you, you, know, you can look for your business through the Apple Maps app and look, it's actually really easy. And then you can either claim it or you can um, you know, put in a, a request to change information and then you can actually create yourself a little account. The steps are really, really simple. You just follow the instructions there and then just update it. So really, it's a bit like Google claiming your business. Go to Apple Maps and claim your business. And in terms of um, Google business, is there anything that everyone should be doing now? Like, has the landscape changed in terms of us having to go in there and update specific things because of COVID-19 or... So just keep your information up to date there. So if you're closed right now, um, put your hours in so you're closed, that you don't have people that are ringing you and getting frustrated because they don't know whether you're open or closed, particularly if you're a business that isn't a restaurant, for example, where you can't just assume that you are closed if you've decided what to do. You can put different information there about perhaps, you know, your, you've got an online store, you could have special offers. There's all sorts of things that you can put into your uh, Google profile that will support people getting more information about you at the moment or 
teach them something about you that you'd like them to know in the current situation. I suppose the only other thing I'd like to say, if you are in a, a small business and you're just really wondering what to do right now as far as your, your online profile, is just really just make sure that you keep yourself up to date, um, as in, you know, do post things about what you're doing. Make sure they're still on brand. It's okay to tell um, people, you know, a little bit more about yourself, about what you might be doing in, you know, times that are a bit um, different to the way you normally trade. But also to think about all the things that you wanted to post or all the different um, activities you thought, oh, I should do a Facebook story about that or I should teach people how to, you know, do this particular thing. If you've got a little bit more time, now's the time. Just keep that feed going as much as you can so that you're in front of people ready that when you're ready to open, they're thinking about you. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's been my advice as well to the clients that I have is to not let uh, their social media go. Keep posting hold your position in that feed, uh, yeah, so that you don't have to try and work your way back up again because it is hard work. Exactly. And if you're, you know, if you are in a financial position that you are able to, you know, do the things or, you know, do some new projects and development on your own marketing or your own website, all those things, you never get time to do. Maybe it's time to have a think about it now. If you've got a little bit more time, you can prepare and you're ready to, you know, you tick off all those boxes that you never get to. Um, and by the time that we come through all of this, then you've got a, a bit of a fresh face and you, you're ready to go out again. Yeah, finally that time to uh, work on your business and uh, not in it. Exactly. Thank you, Kath, for sharing your story and knowledge with us. I really do appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners have taken uh, lots of notes and feeling less alone on this journey that is business ownership. Excellent. And thank you so much for asking me to be here. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win. You can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.